Today's scripture comes from book of Jeremiah 1, chapter 1, verse 4 through 10. Um, you can follow along in your um, screen above or on your uh, phones. <clears throat> the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plan. This is the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Is it Presidential Day weekend? What is it? We love our presidents. Praise the Lord. Uh, welcome to New Mercy. Uh, we are, once again, really excited to um, worship together this day. Uh, hope everyone is well. We are in a special sermon series, really uh, introducing our new theme here at New Mercy a call to restoration. Uh, there is a seasonal, we feel like we're entering into a new season as a church and as a ministry, and we will be uh, focusing on for the next, you know, this whole year, uh, really introducing this theme of restoration. So uh, we have been, the pastors have been uh, going through what we call a path of restoration schedule, uh, and there are three pillars, there are three dimensions of uh, restoration that we want to emphasize. Uh, and the first one, I don't know if you have the slide, but the first one is spiritual life. Uh, spiritual life involving prayer and scripture reading, uh, ways that we can, be, uh, we can grow in the Lord. These are crucial, uh, very important uh, ways that we, get, we connect with God, right? So we cannot neglect. So this is the first dimension. The second one is soul care. Uh, soul care is taking a hard, real look inside uh, and what is happening internally. Why are we a certain way? And we, in a lot of history, visiting, you know, stories. Uh, so that, that, once again, another dimension to make us holistically uh, 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 restored. Then the last dimension is Christian living. Uh, not only we are healed and we feel good and we get to a good place, but what are we going to do about it, right? So with that, uh, there is purpose, there is mission. And God also calls us to serve and to be kingdom-minded. So we believe that those three things, three pillars, three dimensions need to come together in order for us to be holistically restored, that we are becoming more like a disciple of Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, for us here, when we launched this theme, our community, what we want to see is growth. We want to see health. We want to see uh, not just kind of stagnant faith where we are just standing and kind of, you know, going to church and just being busy or superficial. But uh, we want to now get to a point where, you know, Lord, uh, you, you embrace us. You love us. But now we want to be activated. We want to really participate and dive in and to taste, uh, taste more. Taste his healing, taste his restoration and growth. So at the end of the day, uh, we, uh, we are praying for you. We are uh, we're really asking the Lord to bring our community together as we move towards uh, restoration, as we grow together. So, so with that, can we, can we pray today? I'm going to continue on with the second pillar, soul care. We're going to talk about soul care. So if we could just pray together. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to really bless us uh, with the preaching of the word. Uh, may the Lord uh, really speak into our hearts. Let's ask the Lord to open our hearts, our eyes. <sighs> Father.
Father, we come as we are today. We enter in uh, fully knowing uh, just that, that secure, abounding uh, love that is in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, you see us faithful. You see us worthy uh, that you sent your one and only Son to die for us on that cross. Father, we pray that uh, during, in our season of restoration, that you will really trigger something, something deep, something significant, something real and tangible. Move us into healing, Father. Uh, move us into uh, mending of relationships and, and restoring, Father, uh, from our past hurts and pains. Uh, so we ask you, Father, we long for you, your, your move. Uh, Holy Spirit, will you be with the preaching of the word today? Will you guide our hearts, guard our hearts, open wide our hearts, our mouth to receive? Uh, so we thank you for your son, your love, and your grace that always covers us. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. This past uh, election season, it was a cray-cray, it was just crazy election season, um, I picked up two things, okay? two concepts that I learned. It really hit me. Number one was the, the concept of pivoting, okay, pivoting. Uh, when I watched all the, the debates and political commentators, uh, you know, the whole thing about pivoting. I thought pivoting was a basketball thing, but apparently uh, those who are experts in this political arena, they, they know how to pivot. So, you know, pivoting, you know, you know, changing subjects, and I mean, it was just awesome. It was like, oh, my God, like an art form. So it was awesome. That's the fun thing, one thing I learned. Second thing I, I picked up during this it was again crazy uh, election political system, and still I am digesting uh, is this thing called fake news, right? What, what the alternative facts, um, this whole concept. Uh, and really, uh, I'm, I'm still just chewing on this, whatever that is, but it was, it's crazy because basically we are redefining and um, everything is really uh, relative. You know, what might be news to you, to you, it might not be news to me, or there are different ways that we interpret news. So this whole thing about you know, fake news, you know, uh, false news, alternative news, alternative facts, uh, it's a fascinating thing. I almost felt like I'm uh, in a uh, postmodernism 101 class these days. Uh, really, nothing is, is anything really true or absolutely true. Uh, is it all just relative and, and whatnot? As I pivot into my main point today, um, I think this concept of fake, you know, false facts, alternative facts, not only is in the political arena in our society, but I think as a generation, I think there is something there. I think it also seeps into our spiritual lives, perhaps. Right? I think a lot of us, we carry and we live sometimes alternative lives. And as we think about soul care, right? soul care is not only looking back, because it's really an introspection. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a time that we set apart to really think through in an honest, vulnerable way what is happening inside. That's, that's this whole thing about soul care. We really take care, take an honest look, right? As we think about soul care, I think we need to face that, once again, perhaps a uh, lot of us, we do live uh, fake lives, alternative lives. We have, we have a true self that is inside, that God-given, God-created, and we also have these lives that we put on that we live often, telling ourselves, well, this is not really me, but for a bit. God, you know I love you. I'm a Christian. But for this season, for a little bit, uh, the lives that we live out. For some of us, it's a defense mechanism, maybe. We put up for a reason. Uh, but we, I think we, all of us, we, we have it. And I think at the core of soul care, right, which is part of this called to um, you know, restoration, in the path of restoration, part, I think at the heart of the soul care pillar is breaking through, breaking into the true self. Right? Gaining the courage to really face and to break into the true self. Uh, soul care is facing and nurturing of the true self. The self that God has created us to be. The real self. Last week, Pastor John uh, started us off uh, introducing the soul care pillar. Uh, it was a powerful, great sermon. He talked about the uh, Samaritan woman at the well, John chapter 4. Uh, this lady who had many husbands, 
she comes to get water in the middle of the day, and she has a story. She has many stories. She has five husbands and living with somebody, not even a husband right now. And Jesus comes and just confronts her to her face. I mean, for me, when I read John chapter 4, what I, the image I get is Jesus literally walking up to this lady and taking her mask and ripping it off. Because God is actually interested in who we are deep inside, the true self, the real self. So today, um, I'm going to kind of focus on just one concept, uh, one thing. And uh, what I want to talk about is, uh, and I kind of get this, I'm borrowing this from the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by uh, Reverend Peter Scazzaro. We have a class, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality class course. Please sign up. Actually, just kidding, it's closed. Um, But one concept that I want to hit is without self-knowledge, without really knowing oneself, one cannot know God. Okay? Without true self-knowledge, without growing in the awareness of who you really are, growing in the awareness of yourself, uh, because this self-awareness, healthy self-awareness, and really knowing who you are is connected to healthy spirituality. Right? Awareness of yourself and your relationship with God is closely related. Without, without growing in and, and facing and having the courage to break into that true self and facing with all its brokenness and pain and stories and um, God, this is who I am. Without that, uh, we really can't grow in the Lord. Right? And I, I kind of just that one, one theme today, right, under soul care. Peter Scazzaro uh, the book, Emotionally Healthy Spiritual, he puts it as, there is a need to know oneself so that we can know God. Right? There is a need to know oneself so that we can know God. Growing knowledge of our true self is crucial to healthy spirituality. St. Augustine, uh, in his book, Confessions, he says this, I think the first quote, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know Thee. Right? As he's writing his confession, his, 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 own, his book, the book, St. Augustine, a uh, long time ago, I mean, he writes powerful, powerful, just piercing words. How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? Lord, grant that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Scripture, throughout Scripture, again, many, many places is a continual theme. Uh, just a couple of Lamentations 3.40, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let us continue to seek and, and test and examine who we are. Get to the true self. Get to the inner core of who I am so that we can return to God. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The heart cry of David. Search me, God, continually. I want to know who I am. I want to know what's inside because there's something inside that keeps continually coming out. It's ugly. It's nasty. And it's also it's good because I'm facing it. Continue to search me. All right? I, there's a need that we need to know. We need to, we need to go deeper because there is that uh, dimension of uh, knowing who we are and we are getting closer to who God is. Um, someone said, <clears throat> if you don't really know yourself, how can you give yourself to God? Uh, and they further ask, when we are worshiping and giving ourselves to God, which self are you giving to God? Very important, right? So fairness, who we are growing the knowledge of God. It's not the heart of soul care. There's, a, there's been a lot of marriages happening at church. Our, you know, New Mercy, our community is awesome. You know, hopefully you guys pop out babies soon and a lot. Four is a good number. Uh, but when we have premarital counseling, you know, Lisa and I, we've been doing it together. Now, for me personally, one thing that I assess, when, when a couple comes, you know, please marry us, whatever, and we're, we're meeting in premarital, and uh, one thing I, I kind of try to gauge and, and discern and see is, is this. 
Uh, is this person somewhat healthy in terms of self-awareness? Are they, living at a, are, are they at a point they're living out of their true self? Or is there still a lot of fake, fake news, a lot of fake self, a lot of the false self, alternative self, coverings? Because same thing, if you don't really even know who you are, how can you give yourself to your spouse? Who are you marrying? Is it you or is it the projected you? Is it the false you? Now, I mean, we're not saying that, you know, you have to get to a perfect, healthy, 100% point to get married. No, of course not. It's a journey. Continue, right? But the, but the good, healthy starting point is, I think, is really understanding awareness. I'm broken. I'm hurt. This is, but, th- but at the end of the day, this is still who I am. And unless we have that, unless we grow in that, how can we know God, but also how can we relate in a, in a genuine, honest way? Right? It's very important. So in soul care, um, I think this is also uh, really a sign of growth and maturity. So I want to kind of throw this at you, you know, since we're in this soul care kind of pillar today. Uh, who are you? Okay. Really, who are you? And I want to ask... How are you? Really, how are you? Right? Who are you? How are you? And I'm going to also ask, where are you? See, we see this in Genesis, Genesis 3. The first fall. Perfect union, perfectly integrated, healthy, true people walking around Adam and Eve. No sin, no brokenness. Complete in- integrity before God among each other, to each other, and to oneself. Right? The perfect scene, Genesis 1 and 2. But when sin comes in, everything breaks. And we see for the first time in Genesis chapter 3, the first mask that gets put on. The first false self that gets put on. And what happens? Begin to sh- There's shame. There's blame. Running and hiding. Her fault, his fault, we can no longer be truly ourselves. And in that, Genesis 3, the first fall, what's the question God asks? Where are you? Adam, why are you hiding? Where are you? Right? When we, as we think through, as we really kind of, I mean, that's what we're hoping, you know. We're, we're hoping that we, we want to kind of push, push our church a little bit uh, in this soul care dimension. I think it's necessary that we think through uh, where we are, really how we are, and where we are and who we are. That's a good starting point, I think, healthy starting point. Um, Soul care is not only looking back. Last week we talked about looking back. You have to look back. You have to face your past issues, the pains and hurts, and your story, the rich story, even painful story that we have to have the courage to face them because Jesus Christ, that we can. Right? Soul care is not only looking back, but soul care is also definitely looking in. Yeah? We look back, and then we also look in. And we get to, uh, get to know our hearts and ourselves so that we can know God. As we go a little bit further, this is not also only just gaining self-knowledge, being self-aware, but at the heart of it, it's trying to break through and get to the true self, right? The true self. Not the fake self, fake new, you know, fake alternative self, but the fake self. They say that scholars, a lot of, I was reading a lot of just psychological these books. They say that everyone, as a human being, we all have a fake self, right? We have something, right? And it's a, you know, it's a mask that we wear. It's the projection of, of you know, how we want to be or we want to be seen, but we have something. We all wear it. Uh, sometimes it's uh, because it's a, it's a defense mechanism. Uh, it's a, you know, there are different reasons why we, we have it. But human beings, as human beings, we, we create this alternative self, and we have it. And we have to kind of break through uh, to get to that core of the, the true 
true self as God created us to be. Uh, four common sources, reasons why we have the false self, right? Um, they say number one is pain. So uh, that's number one reason. In the past, you have, you have some, some story. Someone hurt you. There's a tragedy. Someone passed away. But in some sense, even when, when you're young or whatnot, you are really hurt um, and damaged. There's scars. And because of that, you generate this, this false self. Uh, they say that's number one. Pain, personal history, a lot, of, um, a lot of that. Number two, they say it's uh, societal, cultural pressure. Um, you need to fit in to a certain role or an expectation that the world even has on us. As a young Asian-American professional living in New York City or working in New York City, there is this societal expectation pressure even among your friends to each other. And we want to try to be something or we have this Thing that we need to be something or be like someone uh, and that's, that's our false self it's kind of interesting uh, even they say that every generation has what it means to be cool right? I know we're kind of over that hopefully right? you know, that's still high school but maybe not uh, we still carry ourselves a certain way even, I mean, this could kind of, you know, really unhealthy, so it goes into, like, your, even your style, like, the way things that you buy, you purchase, because you want to look a certain way. And after a while, it gets to a certain point that, really, that's not really me, but uh, that's the image I built, so I need to kind of maintain this, and whatnot, it goes on and on. And this is really real. And I, I think even in the church, even for Christians, I think this is real. Right? We have this kind of thing. Uh, I, mean, it was, it, not, I mean, I read this thing, uh, the same book has this thing on Friends, you know, the whole um, TV series Friends. And uh, fascinating, fascinating. Uh, Friends ran from 1990, 1994 to 2004, 10-year run, right? 10 years of Friends. You know Friends, like three guys, three girls basically living together, whatever, you know, Friends and coffee and how are you doing? You know, like Joey and, the, you know, the whole, that Friends culture in that generation uh, a lot of us, we, we grew up watching. And if you're in your late 30s, and you know, I think for me, early 40s, that's, that's my generation. And that, during those times, everyone knew friends and watched friends. And now, at a point, when we think about friendship, <laughs> some, some of us, that's what we think about. That kind of like, you know, we have this imagination of what friendship is or how it should be, what's cool, what's hanging, you know, chill, hanging out. Even, even, you know, I don't know, even sexually, even materialistically, children. I mean, all that, that was kind of pumped into the generation that uh, they said that uh, it, it that definitely there's influence. You know, like now today, you know, like we talk about like friends with benefits, all these things. Wonder where it comes from. Culturally, uh, what we see and what we feel, that's what triggers our imagination. That's what we see, we project things to be. And there's, there's an inner, inner thing where um, we, 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 we live out what we imagine. We live out what we believe. So there's a societal uh, mask that we put up. Third thing they talk about is upbringing. Family, tone. Every family has a tone and culture, certain rituals. Um, for me, uh, growing up, my mom, you know, my, I've, my mother is a very anxious woman. Um, and even now, when I am parenting, I catch myself. Uh, internally, I catch myself. A lot of fear. You know, be careful, worry. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, growing up, just my mom was, I thought it was, it was just crazy. She was a constant warrior. Uh, you know, do this and this and that. You know, are you sure? Uh, very anxious lady. And for the longest time growing up, I hated it. I'm like, oh, can you stop? Yes, I ate. Yes, I did this. I, I know. You know, she's like, drink vinegar. I'm, I'm, 
Yes, I know. Um, even now. And for the longest time, I, I couldn't stand her. I, I hated it. It was really difficult, challenging. What's, what is wrong with her? Trust me. Stop. And a lot of that upbringing, um, it gets seeped into who we are. And as we project what it means to be a father and a mother and parents, that, that self, uh, that's how we parent. Even though I say, I'm never going to be like my mom. It comes out. But you know what's interesting, though? I mean, I'm just going to share a little bit because the whole soul care thing, I'm going to kind of share a little bit of my story. Growing up in, the, in our home, my dad was away a lot, right? My dad traveled a lot and um, worked out of the country a lot and stuff. And uh, my mom was the main kind of nurturer, uh, and she raised us. And like I said, and she was anxious, right? just worrying and constantly just stress. And, uh, and for the longest time, like I said, I didn't know why. I don't know what the heck is her problem. A couple years ago, uh, down this now 30-something, 30 35 years later, uh, in our home, in our family, especially my mom's side, I never, ever heard uh, any history or story before. My grandfather, my mom's dad, passed away when my mom was in college. My, uh, my mom's mom, my grandmother, lived for a while, for a long time. She passed away a couple years ago. Uh, but even her, she would never share anything. Anything. I didn't know anything about any past, any history. I almost felt like, you know, in family systems, this counseling method, it was like a cutoff. It's called a cutoff. I mean, they're there. Hi, you know, grandma, but nothing. There's no connection. There's no relationship, really. No stories going back and forth. But then uh, a couple years ago, about five years ago, finally... Uh, my aunt told my cousin, my cousin who's a little bit younger than me, uh, for the first time, uh, the history of my mom's family. And my cousin, I think he like called me, texted me, he's like, you know, one day, like we need to talk. And we met and we're talking. And, and for me, for the first time, I got to hear the story of my, my mom's family. And uh, when I heard the story, it was like, oh my gosh, now I know. This makes so much sense. Uh, my mom's parents, my, grandfather, my grandfather and grandmother, uh, apparently was, got separated when they were really, when they were young. So about, I think, junior high school age. My mom's the oldest of five siblings. And uh, I think there was a time period when basically my, my grandmother left the family. And she said, you know, I'm going to make money. And she kind of left the house and she started her own business. And my grandfather was more of a, like a, like a scholar uh, in the academia, you know, academia. And he basically said, then I'm going to take the kids. So basically, my mom, being the oldest with the younger siblings who were elementary, whatnot, they, they were abandoned. They were abandoned. And my grandfather took them in. And when my mom got, into, got to college early on, he passed away. So for even there was a time when they thought they were going to be orphaned. And they said during that time, it was so hard they literally didn't even know uh, how they're going to eat their, that night's dinner. I mean, this is during, you know, the war, after the war, and, you know, tough period. So when I, when I for the first time, you know, after 35 years, heard that story, I was like, oh, my gosh, now I understand why Maham is like, why she is like that, why she's so constantly worrying and, and anxious and, because when I, when I heard that history, that this whole, like, I felt like a part of my, my being is something that was clogged, not ever really understanding what the heck is wrong with my mother growing up. Just boom. Oh, it makes so much sense. 
And when I, when, I, when I see her, when I met her after that, I was like, she's still, you know, like, yeah, you know, be careful, do this, eat this, and, you know, what? constantly still. She's 70 years old. But now there is a deeper understanding. And I, honestly, I, I'm good. Because I get to hear, I get to see her, her whole being with all that history. Because what she was doing, she was just, just passing that down. How she grew up, what she received, she was passing it down to me. Right? So family history. Because of our upbringing, who we are, uh, there is also that mask that we wear. That we project. Right? We, we have this, this expectation that we want to live up to. And number three. Number four is religiosity. And the last one is religion. Uh, a lot of us uh, churches have done a lot of damage growing up in, in certain spiritual tone and legalism, a lot of shame and guilt uh, in church upbringing. Uh, I think, I think it, it, that also creates this false image that we put on, that I need to be proper or moral or I have to be holy or I have to, you know, I've been in church for 20-something years. I have to look a certain way. I have to talk a certain way. Uh, that's, that's a false self. Right? And I think those are, uh, that's definitely true and powerful. Biblically, uh, once again, I think Ephesians 4, uh, we, we see this. Uh, Ephesians 4.22, it says, To put off your old self, right? This is the false self, the old self, which belongs to your formal manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, right? I think biblically, this whole fake self, this, this, this alternative self, old self, is driven by our, once again, our flesh, our sinful nature. And it's constant, just, you know, covering. It's a mask. It's a covering that we put up. But Scripture is teaching us to break it, to put it off. In Jesus Christ, you are a new creation, a new self, your, your true self, it needs to come out. Right? So today, the text today, Jeremiah, this is a call of Jeremiah. And I preached on this text many times. Uh, and uh, the occasions I, I use this text are usually missions, uh, you know, calling of Jeremiah, how Jeremiah was sent forth. But I kind of took a look at this passage through the lens of of, of identity, of, of the true self, right? Uh, and just a couple of things, and we'll close today. When we look at this passage, as God is calling Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, what's very interesting is that he goes right after Jeremiah, and the thing that he hits him with is really who Jeremiah is, right? It's, it's, he's going at the true, true self, Right? The, the, who, who Jeremiah is at the core. God is revealing, right, Jeremiah, who he really is. So number one, a couple of things we'll just kind of move on today. Number one, only God, only the Lord knows our true self and our true potential. Only the Lord knows our true self and our true potential. Verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. It's the Hebrew word used here for I knew you is the word yada, yada. And yada is not just knowing someone you know, mentally or, okay, I know you, I know of you. But yada is a holistically, I know everything about you. I am connected to you. It's the word that is you when it says Adam knew Eve, knowing between husband and wife. Right? This is how God says he knows us. He says that he knows us before we were formed in the womb. I mean, I, I read this over and over, verse 5. What does that even mean? He's basically saying, I, I knew you even before you were in the womb, before you existed. Right? I, I, I adored you. There's this intimacy, there's this, this, this delicate, this connection, this knowledge that I knew you even before you were formed. Only the Lord really truly knows who we are. I think I know my kids. I mean, maybe not. Uh, as they get older, they're, you know, 
whatever, 16, something, something, something. They're getting old. Um, I think I know them, but as they get older, definitely I don't know them. Right? I, mean, I hear a lot of, lot of mothers, uh, when they get pregnant, you know, they, they feel the baby and stuff like that. They're like, wow, there's this connection. I, I know the baby. But here God is coming in and trumping that. Not even at conception or, you know, in the womb, but even beyond, before the womb. Even before you existed, I'm the only one who knows you fully. And not only that, I'm the only one who fully knows your potential. And God calls Jeremiah. Jeremiah was about 20 years old. Even before he was formed, he calls him to be a prophet, to serve God for the nations. Okay? Only the Lord knows. Number two, a secure, a secure identity is what launches us into our call. A secure identity is what launches us into our call. It's interesting how God, in his, this calling, he's not calling Jeremiah because of his resume. Right? Because now what he has done or experiences or his schooling or you know, because you're godly or good character, or integrity. It's not even those things. How does God call Jeremiah? Calling completely based upon Jeremiah's identity. God is saying, I know you, therefore I call you. Right? As, as God knows Jeremiah, God loves him. He, you know, Jeremiah is his. He formed him. That's enough. And with that, God calls Jeremiah and launches him into calling. I think there's something very interesting here that as we are secure in our identity, this, this, this calling is so closely connected to who we are. Maybe we flip that too. Our identity, who we are, is closely connected to what we do at times. That's why I think I hear people, you know, when, when we meet some of you guys, oh, you know, Pastor Wonja, I can't stand my job. I, I really can't do this anymore. And it doesn't never ends there. It always goes, because you know what? I don't feel like this is what I was meant to do. You know, I don't, I'm having a hard time doing this kind of work. You know, after a while, I really don't feel like this is who I am, right, usually. I hear it often. See, we see it here that some, there's a connection between calling and who we are. Connection between uh, being secure in who we are that can really launch us into our call. That's why we have issues with what we do. We sometimes go in, basically we're doubting who we are. This is not who we are. Right? I think it's intimately connected and we see that. I mean, it's very powerful how this is how God calls his prophet. I mean, Jeremiah, uh, one of the four you know, major prophets, by earthly success, he failed. He was a failed prophet. He was during a time, you know, where Israel was going through this tremendous suffering, being conquered, Jerusalem gets sacked, and Jeremiah is known as a weeping prophet, constantly weeping and crying. But honestly, at the end of the day, end of Jeremiah's life, did anything good, any success come out? No. People don't listen. People are suffering. But yet, when God is calling Jeremiah, it's not, it has nothing to even do with success or what's going to happen. But Jeremiah, I call you because I know you, I love you. You are mine. And I know who you are. I'm the only one who knows who you are. And when you are secure in me, uh, right, then you can serve me fully from your true self, and that is enough. Sometimes that is good. That is cool. Okay, and the last thing that we see here is being known by God gives us confidence to trust in him. I think the best thing about getting to the true self that our Securing our identity is really, really security. That when we work out of who we are truly at the core, the true self, that brings security. There's this oh, sense of, I don't care what people say, you know, expectations or you know, criticism, whatever, all that, is, it's okay. Because I know who I am. I'm confident in who I am in the Lord. 
and God has called me, I'm anchored, I'm secure. I think that's, that's, that's amazing. You know, for me, uh, my false, biggest false self growing up, it was from fear. A lot of fear. Um, you know, over the years, God has worked great freedom and healing in my life. And I think somewhat now, you know, I, 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 I feel really secure and free. But growing up, I mean, like I said, talk about my mother, <laughs> a lot of like anxiety. I'm always scared. Oh, I'm going to die. Someone's going to shoot me. You know, I mean, seriously, that's how it was in the, in, my, in the youth household. My mom was constantly just anxious. So I had all these ideas. I'm going to die today. You know, I'm going to get hit by a car because that's what she's saying. So this, this fear kind of thing, it will put up this kind of false self, right? Try to battle that. I don't want to look scared. So there was a time period when all that, and God continually just breaking that. And when I finally, in college, when I was, you know, going through this renewal and really gospel became real to me, I was like, what the heck is this? I'm going to throw this off. I'm going to face my fears, you know? And you know what? It, it was okay. I thought people would make fun of me and all these crazy things would happen. Shame and what? Kind of get past that. God is saying, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to be with you. I know you. Don't worry. I got you. And when we find, when I found my true self in him, there was finally for the first time security. And what comes with security? What comes with security is freedom. Unless you are really secure, you cannot be free. It's, it's, it's a, it comes together. A lot of us, we, you are not free because you're not secure. You still feel like, I have to put up this false and image and people look at me, all that stuff. As that goes, true freedom comes. But here we see, as Jeremiah, as God shows how much he knows Jeremiah, it's very interesting, verse 6, Jeremiah responds at first by saying, I can't do this. I can't be a prophet because I am young. What is, what's the exact word? Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. That's his false self. He puts it up. No, God, you don't really know me. I'm too young. I'm too scared. I can't speak. But at the core, what's he really saying, Jeremiah? Well, God knows, and God kind of responds. Verse 8, he says, Jeremiah, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you. Even before Jeremiah utters those words. It was actually, for Jeremiah, it was actually fear. But he's saying, I'm young, I can't speak excuses, the false self. But God goes to the core, the root issues of our hearts. And to Jeremiah, it was his fear, and he reminds Jeremiah, even the fears, even, even your whatever that core heart issue is, I know, and I embrace you with all that brokenness. So as we think about this, we're going we're gonna to end, we're going to close. Um, there's a story, funny kind of little children's or whatever story, that this chicken and Eagle, uh, chicks, whatever, eggs were hatched, and one eagle egg uh, hatched among chicken, among chicken, among the chicken, and uh, this one eagle grew up thinking it was a chicken. So he was doing whatever the chickens were doing, eating dirt, and I don't know, flying like five inches, whatever, and yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a chicken. One day, uh, the eagle looked up and saw this, this amazing bird soaring upon the sky and asked the other chicken, what is that? Oh, that's, the, that's an eagle, king of the birds. They can soar. But don't worry, we're chicken, so we can't do it, so just start eating dirt, you know whatever, jumping five, you know, five inches. 
and this eagle thinking that he was a, he was a chicken, um, lives, he lived live life as a chicken and dies. I, mean, I swear, that's how the story ends. <laughs> kind of funny, but uh, I wonder, I wonder. Some of us, we, we, we live so long, for so long, with this fake self, false self, even though God in Jesus Christ calls us no, you are a new creation. You are a new creation. There is, there is that real you that I redeemed. That you are actually an eagle. And you, you're just living like a chicken. And some of you, you actually believe it now. Because this fake kind of thing has really became kind of part of who you are. And you forgot who you really are. I wonder that we need to, as we think about soul care, as we look in, think, think inside, look inside of our hearts, who are we? And how are we doing? How are we? And where are we? And I think the key is, uh, in order for us to get to the true self, is moving closer to God, uh, to our Lord, who the only one Lord, uh, our God, who truly knows us. Uh, see, the world uh, seeks truth, right? A lot of truth out there, you know, truth as a principle or concept or whatever, whatever truth. Uh, but actually, Scripture teaches us that truth is a person. Truth is a person of Jesus Christ. So as we get near, as we get closer to this person, this truth, uh, that's when our, we, we get to know even the true self of who we are. Right? Uh, Thomas Merton, I, I think we have this quote. Thomas Merton, a Catholic, you know, uh, Catholic scholar, mystic, I thought it was very powerful. He said this, he said, there is only one problem on which all my existence, my peace, and my happiness depend, to discover myself in discovering God. If I find him, I will find myself. And if I find my true self, I will find him. Right? As we get closer to the true self, can I ask the praise team uh, to actually lead us? Uh, as we get to the true self, uh, we're actually getting closer to God because God is truth. Right? If we stay kind of up here, just false self, you know, mask, and just kind of going through the motions and pretending, we're actually very far from, from the Lord. I mean, God kind of, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, you want to be your fake self and just kind of pretend and live? But when, when are you going to stop? When are you going to come, come down and be real and be honest and authentic and ask, God, I'm tired. I need help. Because when we do that, we're also getting closer to God. And also when we, when we get closer to God, then we are finding, we can also find out who we really are. So I think it goes both ways. You know, as I was kind of preparing this sermon this week, it was weird because uh, I, I really don't, this doesn't really happen too much, um, but I felt like the Lord was kind of speaking and uh, I heard, um, I heard, um, I felt like I was saying, um, uh, stop hiding. Uh, stop hiding. And at first I was like, oh, you know, maybe he's saying something to me. Um, maybe, perhaps, Yes. But I, I really felt like it was someone uh, at church, at, at New Mercy. Uh, living up here, the false self, fake self, in, in another sense, is, is that's how we hide. That's how, we're, that's, that's how we hide. Because we're not down here. 
we're not facing who we really are and what needs to be fixed and restored. And, and, and I felt like, I don't know, maybe some, someone, uh, but I felt like the Lord was saying, uh, stop hiding. It's okay. You know, you know the hide-and-go-seek children's game? You know, when kids go hide and, and you know, you try to find people and, you know, game's over, right? It's like, come out, come out. And you know how there's, like, there's always, like, those, like, prideful kid that doesn't come out? <laughs> like, it's over, come out. Stop hiding. <laughs> and they're, like, <sighs> crunched up someplace <laughs> for a long time for no reason. <laughs> In pain, suffering. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's for, for all, of, all of us. It's, it's real. You don't have to hide. Right? We don't have to hide anymore. That's what the gospel is. That we can really come as we are. We can begin to penetrate through and, and, and go to that real self, real core. And I pray for that. I pray for all of us. You know, Jesus, John 10.10 10 says, I have come that they might have life and have life to the full. The mission of Jesus Christ also. I came that you can really get to your true self. Fully. The full life. Abundant life. Taste it. And as we get on this path of restoration, I, I pray for that, for all of us. And even now, uh, I, I may the Lord uh, bring, uh, bring renewal upon your hearts. So with that, can we pray? Let's, let's just bow our heads. Uh, take... Maybe today just, just rest in Him. Take a quiet moment. Maybe pray silently before the Lord. Lord, uh, I, w- I want to really get to my true self. I want to know. Uh, who are you, right? Who am I? And really, how are you? And where are you? Are you hiding? Are you running? Let's spend a moment in prayer, then we'll close with a song.